0: It's nice to sing together and great job, kiddos. We so appreciate the hard work that went into that and for all our volunteers as well. I love that there was so much about that that was kind of woven in with Oh Holy Night and I love that they sang that song because I have to talk about it, so it worked out well for me. But also, it's a great song, is it not? Even if you hate Christmas music, which I mean, sometimes ask me, even if you're a Christmas music hater, this song is a pretty great song, right? Oh Holy Night? It shows off people's pipes. If you see someone take this on as a solo, it can be kind of scary for them because you know where it's building, right? It kind of showcases what they got to work with there. And actually, I realized this past week, it's a very interesting song. There's a lot of things uh, to learn about it. It was written by a French poet who read Luke 2 and was so moved by it. He was trying to capture the beauty of that first night of Jesus' birth, And the lyrics of the song have actually kind of framed our series that we've been walking through uh, for Advent. We've talked about a thrill of hope, like the kids did a great job explaining. We've talked about how a weary world rejoices. And this week, today, yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. And this is a pretty fitting picture of what we're reading about in the birth of Christ, right? That a breaking of a new glorious day is what's happening as Jesus enters the world. And we're going to reflect this morning on just that, Jesus entering the world, his arrival, his birth story. Everyone loves a good birth story, right? But this one is unique. So if you have your Bibles, you can open with me uh, to Luke chapter 2. Maybe Andy would grab mine for me if he would be so kind. That'd be awesome. (laughs) Um, This is a story that we probably know very well. We're familiar with it. Thanks so much. Uh, but hopefully we can be reminded of the beauty of this story and why this is so significant, even for us today, 2,000 years later. Let's read together. Luke chapter 2. It says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. "'wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. "'And suddenly there was with the angel "'a multitude of the heavenly host, "'praising God and saying, "'Glory to God in the highest, "'and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased.'" And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. This is an awesome text, one we know well. And it's interesting This passage, Luke 2, you may not know this, maybe you do, was the first thing ever broadcasted over the radio that wasn't Morse code. You ever heard that before? Before this, it was just sailors and soldiers listening for beep, bop, boop type of things. And all of a sudden, on Christmas Eve, over 100 years ago, suddenly there's the stuff about Caesar Augustus and taxes and going to Bethlehem, followed by. Oh, holy night. It's kind of a historic thing, these two things together. Now, there's a lot of strange details going on in this story with Mary and Joseph and no room at the inn. There's some grouchy innkeeper we've kind of imagined. There's animals and a manger and shepherds and angels and all this stuff. But we're going to focus this morning on the significance of the who. Who is this child that's arrived and what does this all mean? Because the angels bring this epic news of his arrival to shepherds, like we see, right? And this is a big deal. This is kind of a -a one-of-a-kind angel encounter in in scripture. There's literally thousands of them. It's scary. And the angels say that this is good news of great joy, something worth celebrating. And then the shepherds rush to see that it's true. And proclaim what they've heard about his identity and the significance of what's been said. And the angels say something really particular, which is what we're camping down on this morning that this child, Jesus, is Savior, Christ, and Lord. And we can hear that read really quickly, but that is a big deal. Even as an infant, he's proclaimed Savior, Christ, and Lord. It's not just like a Christmas nicety that he's being called this. This is who he is, even beyond this, right? Christmas Jesus isn't a thing. (laughs) Christmas Jesus doesn't exist. He grows up. That's a spoiler, hopefully not. Through his whole life then and his whole ministry, this identity is demonstrated and confirmed in his teaching, in his preaching, in his healing, in the way he interacts with those around him, in his death and his resurrection, He is Savior, Christ, and Lord. So let's look at that, Savior. Well, the Bible teaches on repeat that we need saving, that we're sinful and without hope left to our own. And like a holy night says, before Christ the world was in sin and error pining. Jesus is the one who offers deliverance, the great rescuer who saw our state without him and did something about it. Entered the world to fix us even in the face of our rebellion. It's amazing. Like I said, this song is originally in French, and so if you were to attend a service like this, although maybe we're the only ones doing this, I don't know, in Quebec right now you would hear the original, and it kind of says it in an even deeper theological way. It says, Christians, it's the solemn hour when the God-man descended to us to erase the stain of original sin and to end the wrath of the Father. The entire world thrills with hope on this night that gives us a Savior. And as our Savior, this is exactly what Jesus has done through his death on the cross in our place. It's important to remember that the nativity, the manger, is intimately connected to the cross. They're not separate like stories that we can look at as, as different things. It's all one story. Without Christmas, Easter doesn't happen. And without Easter, Christmas has no significance. He is Savior because of what he will accomplish on our behalf. They also say he's Christ. We might get confused and sometimes think that's Jesus' last name. Christ, though, means Messiah. It means anointed one. And he is the long-promised anointed one who would come and fix everything. And there's a lot of cool uh, details even in this Christmas story that show how God worked to fulfill all these promises that were uh, given about the Messiah. Even a small detail that sounds kind of maybe boring or out of place about taxes is one of these evidences that God makes sure Jesus was born in the right city that was promised because of that census. His title as Messiah shows the faithfulness of God to complete his plan that was given long ago. The Old Testament is full of promise after promise and prophecy after prophecy about this one who would come, who fixed everything to bring salvation, and God had a plan And he's proven in Jesus' arrival that he has a plan and the means to ensure that it's carried out. Maybe you're like me. You have a lot of plans for yourself for a week from now, for a year from now, for your family. I can have all kinds of plans, even if they're simple. I have really no ability to ensure that they happen. (laughs) Thank the Lord he's different than us. He has a plan and the power to ensure that his plans are carried out. And we see that in Jesus as the Messiah. Now, the the timing of this whole thing might seem strange strange to us as well. Like, couldn't it have happened at a different point in history or in a different way? Couldn't they have had a bed for this baby, not a trough, right? We think it's bad. We baptize people in a trough here at Blue Water. This is Jesus' bed. Seems a little unusual, the timing. But scripture would affirm that when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. When the set time had fully come, the time was right. That's when he brought his plan to pass, the fulfillment of the promise, bringing the Messiah, who Jesus is. And the last thing they say is that he is Lord, meaning ultimate authority, a title reserved only for God, like master, overall, worthy of my submission and allegiance. This is said about Jesus as an infant, that he's Lord. And they're not just nice things you say about a baby. Like you may know when someone has a baby, there's certain nice things you're supposed to say. You don't just say, oh, good baby, right? You say, oh, wow, what an angel. Wow, how precious, how beautiful, what a little charmer. These types of things. You don't say, oh, they're sovereign over all things, aren't they? Look at that. This is literally the child that's the point of everything. Oh, my goodness. People won't let you hold their baby if you say things like that. Okay? And what's being said about Jesus is not a compliment. It's an identity proclamation. And what the angels say about him then, as an infant, is still true of him today. He's still all these things. And so for each of us, we need to ask ourselves a question. Do I believe that Jesus is Savior, Messiah, Lord? And secondly, do I live as though I believe that he is Savior, Messiah, and Lord? We have to decide what to do with that. Have we made him those things? Have we made him our Lord and Savior? Or is this just a nice story and a nice idea? Then the angels proclaim after that that this is really, really great news. Why? Well, because they say there's peace in him for those on whom his favor rests or with whom he is pleased. What's that about? As the earth, if you've looked around even recently, the earth doesn't seem super peaceful. <laughs> it seems really difficult. So what is the deal here? Well, the peace that's being talked about is not for all. It's for those with whom he is pleased, which means those he has, he has drawn to himself, those who would surrender to him as Savior, Messiah, Lord. And when we do that, it's a peace that's different than we might expect. It's a peace with God. It's a forgiveness of sin found in him. It's a returning to right relationship with God. It's a peace that means salvation. And it's a peace that means eternal life for those who would believe. That's amazing. And while we're still here and we look around and we wish that there was more visible peace here on earth than the way we might expect. There's good news on that front, too, because the Bible speaks greatly about another glorious morn that is going to be breaking, a day when Jesus will come again, a second Advent. We've been in this series on Advent for a little while, and maybe you've heard that word uh, growing up in church or from an Advent calendar, maybe not. It simply means arrival or coming. But something that's interesting is through most of church history, Advent hasn't just been about anticipating the arrival of Jesus and celebrating Christmas, but there's a dual focus all through church history of this second Advent, that Jesus is coming again. There's a second arrival that is promised. And on that day, peace will reign completely on earth. The Bible says he will right every wrong. He will bring justice to every injustice. There will be no more death, no more disease, no more struggle, no more hurt, but peace. There will be peace for those that know him as Savior Christ Lord. It's a peace unimaginable and a joy in this second advent. The Bible says it's a very different experience for those that do not. And so the question is, are we ready for that? A second advent. Now, we can wonder and debate, and we often like to, about what this will look like, when will he show up again, and how will that all go down, and there's lots of good debate to be had there, but the Bible is really clear on a few things regarding his return, no matter your stance on it. It's going to happen, like, it's not symbolic, like, for real, for real, it's going to happen. Jesus wins, and we want to be found to be on his team. Those are some important things to think through in terms of this second Advent. And we could could look around, though, and wonder still, like, why hasn't the second Advent happened, though? We desperately are longing for peace. Why has he not come back yet? The timeline seems a bit off here. Seems like too long of a wait, maybe. But it will happen when the set time has fully come, just as it was in the first Advent, right? We tend to want to rush things. It's very frustrating for us when our timeline doesn't go as planned. It's outside of our control. My five-year-old daughter, Everly, is distraught that she can't have a boyfriend. She just wants to be in university or she just wants to be 35, she says. It's like she knows that is when she will be allowed to have a boyfriend. And there's a frustration there. The timeline just cannot be rushed, right? If you've ever tried to make guacamole from hard avocados, you know the pain of, of, not being able to just fast forward things the way that we want. The people waiting for the first advent felt a longing, but when the set time had fully come, when the time was right, he arrived, and it will be the same when he comes again. Are we ready for that? So this Christmas coming soon. Let's try hard to not see this Christmas story, even though we've heard it many, many times as like this seasonal thing, like that one weird episode of a show that you like, but you only watch every now and then because it just seems different. It's weird to watch at certain times of the year, maybe. Uh, But see it as it is. The story of Jesus. There's no Christmas story. And then the rest of it, there's one connected story of Jesus. The whole Bible even is a connected story pointing to this Savior, Messiah, Lord who saw that we needed saving, in love came so that we could have peace with God. A new glorious day dawned when Jesus arrived that first advent, and he has promised another glorious day when we can look we can look towards with anticipation. We can celebrate that he was proclaimed as those things that night. So long ago that Luke's recording for us here, he still is all those things and he will never cease to be our savior, Christ, Lord of all, if we will believe that. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for this wonderful day. Even though it's a chilly one, it's so good to be gathered as one family uh, for our church family, Lord. So thank you for the work that's gone into this, that we're able to make this happen this morning. Lord, thank you, Jesus, for your arrival. Glorious day. Thank you that what was said about you as an infant is still true today. Savior. Messiah, Lord, may we, if we're here today and we've never thought through what those titles mean and how you being that for us can completely upend our life in the best possible way, even 2,000 years later, Lord, help us to reflect on these things and help us to think, am I living as though I believe that those titles are true of you, Jesus? Help us as we wait, we struggle with the difficulty of our of our current world to believe and trust that you have the ability to ensure your plans come to pass and you have promised that you are coming again. God, we give you praise for that fact. We pray that we would remember you, Jesus, this Christmas season. We pray this all in your name. Amen.